Dialogic Disciple is an invitation to explore discipleship in dialogue with the world as disciples of the Word. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Dialogic Disciple podcast. My name is James Johnson, and I am here with... Elizabeth Shaby. Elizabeth, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Elizabeth, we have yet again another special guest in the studio here with us today, Reverend Sarah Mon, children's minister here at Northside United Methodist Church. Sarah, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you. Well, that's good to hear. It is officially spring. I know. As of like three o'clock yesterday afternoon or something like that. As I sit here and <laughs> shiver with my hot tea. It's spring. <laughs> yes, it is spring. And I think maybe uh, we're in the last cold snap. I, I know you're probably not supposed to say this out loud, but maybe this is the last real cold I, I think it weather. actually, I, no. it, it actually could be. I was reading in the Farmer's Almanac the other day that we're supposed to have a wet but mild spring. And so this could, this could actually be the last really intense cold snap that we're having so well let us hope i think the official last frost day is uh right before easter right around easter or something but it's looking it's looking good for us so well we're at the beginning of spring but we are in the heart of lent and today we're going to be talking about jonah and the city of nineveh uh sarah i'm glad that you picked this week to come on because i feel like this is maybe the story that i remember most uh, from uh, Sunday school when I was a kid mm-hmm. and VBS uh, and you know you work with little kiddos and so I'm guessing that you have some familiarity with this story possibly even in the sense of teaching it to children um, so let's just start today with uh, our, our just first impressions of what this story is about and whether we like it or not I'll start by saying I think Jonah's a jerk and uh, this is what I've been saying all week in, in, in the Bible studies we've been, we've been going. I think he starts out a jerk, and I think he ends a jerk. He's a little cranky. <laughs> he is, but isn't that relatable? Yeah, yeah that's what well, I said. Well, I mean, not for me. I'm not a jerk. You're never <laughs> cranky. James Johnson. Alan <laughs> lies on the podcast. So, Sarah, t- talk to us about, um, what do you think about this story? Well, when I... Years ago, I meditated on the story of Jonah. It must have been 10 years ago at this point. And I would say that it just cracked me open. Oh, really? It changed. It just changed my life. Wow. I really identify with Jonah. Really? Yeah. You're willing to share. I'd love to hear more. Well, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you. O Lord, and my prayer rose to your holy temple. It just changed me. I feel that I was called a long time ago, and I went, great, see ya, and I turned around and did a 180 and went in the other direction and um, experienced a lot of pain and disconnection from turning my back on God. and. I love the subtlety of this language. When my life was ebbing away, Mm. and when you see a tide move out, it's slow. If you didn't know it was moving out or moving in, ebbing is like 
what what do they say if you put a frog in a pot of boiling water mm-hmm. and turn it on they won't jump out yeah that turns out not to be true but the metaphor i'm really glad that it's not true <laughs> because that, it's very depressing and I'm, it's dark but but the metaphor when your works. life is ebbing away you may not notice it yeah and then he goes on and he says i remembered you and it's not even calling out. It's remembering, which is quite subtle. Yeah, it is. Right? So the, his life was ebbing away, and he remembered the name of the Lord. And it was enough. Um, and I relate to all of Jonah's humanity and struggle, struggle why he hates them. Yeah. Why he doesn't think they're worthy of being redeemed. Yeah. Um, but thankfully, we are not the judge. Yeah. Mm. Amen to that. Yeah. Um, so I just. Well, I feel like we could just end there today. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on the Dialogue Disciple Podcast. <laughs> you said it. <laughs> So why do you think that Jonah um, doesn't want to take the time with the Ninevites? What, from your perspective, what, do you, what, do you, what resonates with you about that? Well, because they're historically responsible for slaughtering his people. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's a good reason to hold a grudge. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Right? Um, but it's not Jonah's responsibility to forgive them. Mm. It's Jonah's responsibility to be the messenger of God's redemptive power. Yeah. That's it. It's two different things. Yeah. And, and he gets confused and then he sulks. <laughs> and he, I love that God kills the shade, the leaves to protect him. <laughs> right. It's just like, it's so petty. And it's, <laughs> I don't know. It's so relatable. <laughs> It's a, it's a great example of um, God. God is trying to teach Jonah a lesson, but obviously it's bigger than that. He's trying to teach us a lesson, right? And, and the idea that if if Jonah can get so worked up and so upset about this little plant, plant that's giving him shade and then not giving him shade, <laughs> and he's so you're right, he, he gets he is so dramatic. He is the drama queen. <laughs> Uh, extraordinary, right? And he's yeah. like, "Ah, oh, I'd just rather die." Yeah, right. Than, totally. <laughs> sit here without shade. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but and then and the whole book ends with God saying, "Well, you know, like you care so much about this little plant, shouldn't I be caring about the 120,000 people who live mm-hmm. in Nineveh, and that that God's God's redemption, God's mercy, God's grace is." Just as um, ridiculous and exaggerated as this this story is, you know, the way that that a man gets swallowed by a fish uh, and stays in a fish for three days and three nights and the way that Nineveh is a three days walk across, which is absolutely ridiculous. And the fact that Jonah can walk into this big city and say one sentence and everyone's (laughs) like, oh, we believe that was easy and the most effective (laughs) preacher ever uh <laughs> like the whole book I, I this is what i've been saying all week but the whole book to me works as as a real a huge exaggeration a huge uh and and funny funny book like it's supposed to be comical 
It's yeah. supposed to be hilarious. This is the kind of story you tell your kids at night. You know, this is exactly the kind of story <laughs> that's in the Bible that this is like, this is the kind of story that you want to, it, it sparks the imagination in a way that simply talking about some historical event doesn't do. Uh, I know there's a great debate amongst some people about whether this book is history or not history, but there are many different kinds of genre in yeah, scripture. Absolutely. And I feel like this is, this has got classic parable written all over it in the sense mm-hmm. of the, the parables that Jesus told. Okay, Brent Strong. That's <laughs> <laughs> what Brent would say. It's true. Uh, shout out to Dr. Strong. Fellow Nazarene, fellow recovering Nazarene, I should oh. say. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, in any case. Um, I actually wanted to ask you, Sarah, um, do you have something? You said you feel like God called you and then you walked away. Do you have something that is your, your belly of the whale? Yeah, yeah. for sure. A very dark scary yeah cold place yeah yeah did you because i forget how i forget you've not always done the pastor gig right you were did you do something else yes. before that mm-hmm. um the pastor gig <laughs> i was a professional stay-at-home mom for a long time all right that's not an easy job Mm-mm. and um you know during that time and before that i worked in television production that's right but it was when I was a stay-at-home mom that I volunteered everywhere and taught Sunday school classes and, um, you know, applied to various graduate school programs for a number of years and Very cool. was trying to figure out, okay. yeah, next, yeah. what was next. Jonah is one of those stories that, um, again, like I said, I learned when I was very young, and uh, most of us do, and it's a story that gets, I think, redacted and edited down mm-hmm. uh, by, by adults when they're talking to kids about it. Uh, the last part of the story doesn't even get told most of the time, and uh, the way that Jonah was always uh, presented to me was, here's a man who is called by God to do something. He runs away from God. Um, because he doesn't want to do it or because he's scared. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then he gets punished. And this is the way I was told to me. I think this is the way that a lot of kids, it comes off the kids. He gets punished by being swallowed by a whale or by a big fish. Uh, and then he, when he gets vomited back up onto the shore. <laughs> Which I love. It's <laughs> fantastic. Vomited. When he gets vomited back, he gets a second chance. And, then, and he realizes, comes to his senses and does what God wants him to do. And Nineveh is saved and then everyone lives happily ever after. That, that's the that's the short version of how it's told mm-hmm. to kids, or at least how it was taught to me as a kid. And that's all a lie. I mean, as far as like, that's not <laughs> what the story's about at all. Like, you've already hit at it, Sarah, that the reason why he runs away is not because he's scared. It's because he, he probably hates the Ninevites and doesn't want to actually, um, doesn't want to see them redeemed at all. Like, he right. doesn't want to open them up to the boundless grace and love of God. Um, he doesn't want to even offer that to them. Right. He, he runs away, but he, he, one of my favorite parts of the story is in chapter one, when he, he's on the boat and the storm comes and all the other sailors are like, we're all going to die. <laughs> and he's like, oh man, this is boring. I'm going to go downstairs and uh, take a nap. And he goes to sleep. And, and that, that, that's a weird thing for someone to do if number one, they're scared. Because if you're scared, if you're really anxious about something, you don't, you can't sleep. Like that's the first thing you lose is a peace of mind to be able to sleep. And so 
I think we can we can say that Jonah is not scared. He is he is confident, in fact, uh, maybe even to an arrogant level, yeah. that God is going to protect him and save him. Because he knows he knows he has to do this I, job. I, he knows he has something he has to do, right? And so he is so and and, and it, 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 it creates this weird tension because in, in some sense, you can applaud Jonah because he does believe in God and he does have faith oh, yeah. in God and he knows that God is going to save right. him and protect him. Because yeah. he says to the, the guys, he's like, oh, this is because of me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm and they're, sorry. They're like, what did I'm you I'm the problem. Do? <laughs> I'm the problem. Hi, it's, it's me. me. Yeah. I'm the problem. It's me. Oh, man. Who knew that was about Jonah? Uh, but but it, it, it's this tension, though, because he's got this kind of like arrogant faith that God is going to protect him and save him, even though he is doing the wrong thing. And in my mind, that's always that's always paralleled well with the people of Israel who constantly out throughout the Old Testament are like have faith in God, even though they're running in the wrong direction and doing the wrong stuff. And, that, and, that, and yet they're always like, but God will save us. So we don't have to worry about it. Right. Yeah. Until the exile shows up, and that's their whale that swallows them up, right? Um, but he gets thrown over, and the whale, the whale or the, the the big fish, is actually God's redemption. It's not a punishment, and that's the thing that, as I was reading the story as an adult, mm. that jumped out to me in a way that I think we we kind of miss we we misappropriate or misrepresent to children when we tell this story. And I've been as guilty of this as anyone, but. The whale is God's salvation from the waves of the storm. Mm. It's not it's, oh, yeah, it's not protection. the punishment. Yeah, it's the protection, yeah. right? It's grace. So that's yeah. the kind of that's the kind of thing that I'm really interested in, in in all of scripture is how God's grace can sometimes take the form of something that would otherwise be destructive mm-hmm. if it wasn't God's grace, yeah. right? Mm. You know, Sarah, maybe you can speak to this. James, you mentioned that the other day, and I was thinking um you could talk about it not necessarily in the sense of this is how we're getting it wrong telling our kids, but it's just an example of the, the more we read these stories, the more in-depth we go in them and the older we get, yeah. they can become more beautiful and we, we understand the layers behind them. Mm-hmm. Whereas maybe when you're a kid, you know, that does not going to make a whole lot of sense, you know, and I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know a lot about kids, but. It just occurs to me that that is more of a, a thing that becomes beautiful as we get older, right? That we can see oh, this yeah. story not just as a punishment or as being swallowed in the belly of the whale and that's scary or whatever. It becomes like, oh, I can look back on my life and see that this moment that was scary and awful, it actually like led me to the place where God needed me to be. You were, the, you were actually protected Yeah. yeah. in this mm-hmm. moment of despair. Yeah. Yeah. That is what the fish does. Yeah. Maybe it helps to answer. This is and this is something we mentioned, I think, in the devotional. But this is not always the case, and I want to be very uh, sensitive and careful with the language that I use here. But a lot of Christians uh, ask, and they have asked throughout two thousand years of history now, why do bad things happen to good people? Mm. And it's a it's a question that people wrestle with a lot. And it's something that uh, we will never fully understand. But I do think there's a sense in which, as people who believe in resurrection and people who believe in redemption, and having this story here in front of us as a model, sometimes bad things happen to us in order to save us from worse bad things, right? That's right. Or, or yeah. in order to keep us from drowning in something mm-hmm. that we certainly uh, would have if we hadn't been right. 
been saved in that way. Suffering and pain are some of the best ways to bring enlightenment in, oh, yeah. in, in our, sure. in our world. Right. Yeah. Um, if, if we have the perspective to see that, because if we don't have that perspective, then being swallowed by something may just end up getting digested by it. You know, I mean, that's the simple truth is that sometimes we give up, but as a people of redemption and a people who believe in resurrection, uh, you know, and that's what happens to Jonah here. His resurrection comes in the form of being vomited up on the shore, which again, one of the, it's got to be one of the funniest <laughs> and <great>. most disgusting <laughs> scenes in all of scripture. Yeah. This fish flopping up on the beach. Right. <laughs> Mixed with bile and oh, oh, nasty. Who knows what else? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> so I said yesterday, I hope he took a shower before, you know, he went to uh, Nineveh. Right, no, yeah. probably, he just probably hopped in the ocean. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> here I am, all. Yeah. all my fish Rinse to glory. Well, I mean, what are the in chemistry? You know, no change can be created in a lab without applying some kind of pressure. Yeah. There has uh, to be, yeah. you yeah. know. So, like I think about suffering and pain, and th- that that is the pressure forcing a change, right? Mm-hmm. And Yes, I mean, it so, is nature. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense, right? To be for to be so uncomfortable that you're forced to change. I wonder what that means for us when we are when we find ourselves in a place of relative comfort, and we don't feel and we don't feel like we feel <laughs> much suffering or pain. One yeah. of the things that we've been talking about throughout both of these devotionals through Advent and now through Lent is. The kind of chaos that, that has broken into our lives that is not necessarily entirely visible on the surface. So things like depression and anxiety, mm-hmm. things that, that are, are, are uh, tormenting us beneath the surface. Um, and I don't know, you know, certainly Jonah has some of that going on in his heart with his feelings towards the Ninevites. Uh, and and his his fleeing from God, like he, he's got a sense that he that there's something unjust or unjust happening yeah. here, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so real quick, since you just mentioned things like depression and anxiety, and that was actually what I was thinking of Jonah by choosing to go to sleep in the ship. Mm. Okay, that doesn't necessarily have to be arrogance and overconfidence. Okay, it could be a sign of depression. Yeah, absolutely. That. When you're that depressed, um, maybe he felt so challenged by God's request that he thought, well, this isn't a God I want to believe in. Uh Um, And choosing to go to sleep during something fearful is because the storm didn't scare him any more than what he was already experiencing. Wow, that's good. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's that's really good. I like that a lot. Just I, maybe the thing about this story that strikes me is that God keeps calling, mm. right? No matter how many times we say no, God, God keeps calling. Or at least twice, anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of those stories that, you know, like when I was a kid, I was told um, that, that if, you keep, if you keep ignoring the call of the Holy Spirit, that eventually goes away. Yeah. Uh, th- or not that it goes away, but you get desensitized to it. Oh, that's what I was going to say. We get better at ignoring it, right. I would say. And maybe that has something to do with the going to sleep thing. Like we are so 
not interested or terrified or just not um not able or willing to to hear and answer God's call that we kind of put our soul to sleep right i mean we kind of oh, we can uh, absolutely yeah. mm-hmm. And and then we don't have to worry about ever hearing the voice of God because we're asleep. Yeah, things in our head that they get so big, you know, that it becomes difficult to hear other things. Yeah. You know, and I think there was something I was reading about, um, about how like our brain makes connections and just kind of how that scientifically works and I'm going to totally botch this, but it's something about like when we, you know, our brain makes these little pathways and these connections. And the more that we reinforce that, the yes. stronger the connection becomes. Correct. Like highways and roads. Yeah. And so it makes me think about, you know, you're, and I, I mean, I've done this plenty of times in my life. I get, so you get stuck somewhere on something, mm-hmm. you know, little minor irritations mm-hmm. all the way to more like depressed level sort of things. Right. And our brains, you know, we get stuck in these pathways yes. and it's really hard to get out of those those patterns, which is why we need community. We need people, right? We need yes, that to call us back out of, of it. Community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the more we, the more time we spend putting, trying to make those connections with God's voice, then the stronger that's going to become. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you mentioned community, but before when you were talking about being super comfortable, yeah, right. you know, that's one of the values I find in living in community is that you never are out of touch. You can always be aware. And even if you're not currently suffering, well, praise God for that. But you can always be in prayer for others who are, in addition to giving your own praises for what we all know are brief moments of comfort and not being challenged. That's a good word. Whenever I feel really comfortable i'm like oh well this is great for 24 hours you know (laughs) okay i'm gonna get a good night's sleep (laughs) but to know that it's brief yeah yeah because it is brief right not saying that i'm constantly but that is uncomfortable and plagued but yeah yeah no well i think there's there's a balance there right i mean comfort in itself is not bad and pain is not necessarily good, right. but we have to have these ebbs and flows in life. Like it's, it's the human condition. It, it and is. if you stay too comfortable, right, you, we, you know, you don't want to stay in pain, right? God mm-hmm. does not want that for us, but we also cannot stay in this like blissfully ignorant, comfortable state where we're apathetic and nothing happens, right? God's calling right. us to grow and to change and to learn and mm-hmm. evolve. And right. careful of that city you build. Yeah. Yes. Right. I'm interested in how this story uh, ends and in the way that Mm -hmm. the story kind of concludes. It it has an open ending in the sense that we don't really know what happens to Jonah next Mm -hmm. and and where Jonah goes. But what we do know from Jonah in this moment is he's very self-centered and self-absorbed. And he's selfish in that sense, right? uh, He is um, obsessed with his... his, dislike or hatred i will even say of the ninevites right but then he's also just he's very sensitive to what's happening to himself and not really caring about what happens to other people um and he gets angry Mm -hmm. right he gets angry um the very in fact after right after god redeems nineveh and saves nineveh and doesn't destroy nineveh you know the very next verse says 
And Jonah thought this was very wrong. And he got angry, right? And it reminds me, it echoes for me where we started in in this Lent devotional all the way back to Cain. And Uh, Cain getting angry and upset mm. because Abel was getting blessed and he wasn't. Mm. And you get this kind of connection, connective point where Jonah is acting very similar to Cain in the sense that he is getting angry. He's getting upset. He thinks that there's some kind of wrong that's been done him. Yeah. uh, And not allowing for, um, not allowing for his community for who he sees as community to be opened up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the problems that I think we run into today. That's oh, one sure. of the problems I run into for sure is understanding that God is not just my God, that's right. but God yeah. is God of the universe. Amen. And that there's so many yeah. other people that are included. And I'm such a small part, small piece of, of what God is actually trying to accomplish. I mean, you're just not responsible for the whole it's God, yeah. you yeah. know, and consider yourself lucky to be requested to, to carry out this task, but mm. it's so human. Yeah. Yeah. And, and doesn't this seem to speak to where we are today? I mean. In what way? What do you, you say more about that? Well. Unpack it for us, sir. <laughs> I just think we, we other others. Um, we make. We take huge groups of people and dismiss them. Yeah. And do not think they are worthy. Yeah. And we want to only make life harder for them um, rather than seeing them as being worthy of God's grace. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I mean, it's that do we really desire the flourishing of the entire creation and kingdom? Right. And if we're really being honest, I mean, we can say that easily on a Sunday morning when we're all happy and stuff. We can say yes, but you know, really in your everyday life, like, do you really, you know, do you really desire the flourishing of everything around you? Yeah. Like, I mean, like one of your points that you keep coming back to in this is, um, not who is your neighbor, but how can we be a neighbor to others? It's like, Sure, I can be a neighbor to those that live on my street. Sure. Right? Oh, you want me to be a neighbor to people that live in a different county than I do? <laughs> oh, it's... That's a lot. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll just hop on a boat. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me Peace also yeah, of Job, right? Mm, He's sitting yeah. there and he gets caught up. And, you know, and I, the beauty of that story to me is Job's very caught up in all the awful things that have happened to him and awful things have happened to him. Right. And he's angry and God can handle it, you know, and mm-hmm. God says, yes. Mm-hmm. OK, I hear you. I hear all your anger. I hear all the things that you're struggling <laughs> with. But also you don't even know about the goats. Like you don't even know about the goats on the other side of the mountain. You don't know about any of this other stuff. Like, right. Shh. Calm down. <laughs> like there is so much more than you and what's going on. I love right. you and I see you in all your mock and your mire, but also there is more. But he um God also sent him the worst friends ever. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Fair enough. <laughs> I was like, man, what do I gotta do? <laughs> Can I just have one compassionate person <laughs> in my circle? Right. <laughs> there needs to be a study done or or maybe we should do a class on on getting angry with God and just look look at the different characters in Scripture, <gasps> some of which are the great heroes of the faith, yeah, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, who get just ticked off at at God and how that gets resolved or doesn't get resolved. I mean, that's how 
Strawn opened up OT. Yeah. Yeah. Bashing the heads of your enemies' babies yes. on rocks. Yes. Yes. He's like, God can handle it. You we know? use that psalm in this Linda version. Yeah. Something we were talking about in my Hebrew Bible class is that understanding the difference between uh, things like that being. Um, a prescriptive action like it's not it's not condoning that kind of violence right it's Correct. not you have to be careful because it's not about that it's okay to bash babies heads against <laughs> rocks right like this is not we're no, not condoning the, the reflection violence. of the feeling right and that's what's okay the that, feeling's okay right um you know and because i'm a children's minister i appreciate you coming with that <laughs> because that yes it is it is the feeling god yeah. can handle feeling. our feelings yeah god can handle jonah's feelings right right um and and god can handle those feelings yeah yeah and it is good to go to god with that because mm-hmm. you know when you're angry um i don't know where i read this but when you are um apathetic or ignoring God's call, you are choosing not to be in relationship. Yes. But even anger yes. is being an active part of that relationship with God. Yes. And that was so beautiful about that to me, right? It's this beautiful picture of how we can bring all of these awful right. feelings into the framework of the relationship mm-hmm. with God. Yes. And that's what those tough and sticky icky scriptures are there for right i think how do we bring this into relationship with god yes and that god can handle it yeah and it's better that we be honest Mm -hmm. i've experienced powerful um spiritual experiences in my journey with god there was one morning where i was angry frustrated with god about well i'll just my second born Eli because he's not going to listen to this podcast (laughs) and I was praying and crying one morning and I was angry yeah and um went to Candler went to chapel and it was an Elijah text and who was the person who was preaching said and I swear to God she looked right at me (laughs) she was like God needs Elijah's and I was like okay that was like really abrupt, God. I mean, um, I really feel like you just smacked me in the face. And it, just this re- this assurance that God's got Eli. You know? Yeah, it's cool. Like, how dare you forget who I am? God needs Eli's. You know? It was like, yeah, okay. Beautiful. Okay. That was weird. Sometimes. Sometimes those experiences can make you feel like slightly unsettled. (laughs) You're like, okay. (laughs) That was definitely one of them. That's That's fantastic. Oh, man. But I I think that that's something that we leave out of the telling of these stories with children. Mm. When we oversimplify them, we when we take out the humanity of Jonah and um, when we take out his suffering of the picture, um, we're giving a very superficial mm. portrayal of that yeah. story to a child. But, you know, that's why leading children on faith journeys is so, Yeah, it's like finding um, stones to cross a creek 
it just takes time. <laughs> yeah. And you have to look at them and be like, uh-huh. I don't know, is this one slippery or is it going to move if I put my foot on it? You know, and That's sometimes it. leading children is like that. Like you need to know where they're at intellectually and developmentally wise sure. before you drop it on them. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. No, absolutely. Like, yeah. Absolutely. And sometimes it's true with adults as well. I was going to say. It's not always a kid thing. Yeah. Yeah. You have to know, you have to know your people and know your audience and know where they are Mm -hmm. in order to effectively lead them. Yeah. It goes for anything. Yeah. I wonder though, um, Sarah, since, since we have you here, um, uh, and maybe we've, maybe we've already covered this a little bit, but I, this is a two-part question. Uh, so it goes like this. At what age do you think, typically, a child would be willing or... Uh, at what age do you think a child would be able to take the full amount of the, what this story is really about and not just this, the watered-down version? And how would you go about like teaching that to a child? Mm. Well, again, that all depends on the child, right? Right, right. Well, now you got me thinking about Austin, who's 12 and just curious right now, not really connecting with his youth group, trying to figure out where he fits. He, yeah. Um, that sounds like being 12. <laughs> and I'm trying to, like, like just leave out a, a breadcrumb trail. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. just stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. <laughs> I know it doesn't make sense now. Trust me. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but I think that at 12, I think a lot sh- has shifted in middle school and that there is definitely something that he could I- identify with in this idea of um, feeling disconnected from God, um, not wanting to forgive people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who he might have already decided he doesn't like. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's already doing this instantaneous judgment Mm -hmm. thing that Uh he's doing. Uh We had a very interesting experience a few weeks ago where he didn't want to walk up to this new soccer team. Mm. And we only do YMCA sports because it's super non-competitive and it's the friendliest. It's not like um, a special team or anything like that. And we're walking up and he said, I can already tell that that group right there aren't nice, that they're mean. Aww. He might have even used the word jerks. <laughs> so he already was sullen and downcast oh. and like this. Oh, so we walk up and this kid runs over, huge smile ear to ear and goes, hey, you must be Austin. Sticks out his hand, shakes his Aww. hand and runs off. Austin was like this hello you know looking at the ground and when um we were walking back to the car after practice i said hey i just want to point out to you just think this over that the one that looked mean and like a jerk was you (laughs) (laughs) mike drops by mom just heads up just something to think about you had passed judgment and you were the one that was what you were criticizing this other group for being. Mm. And he said, 
I'll take that point into consideration. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I was like, God, you are so weird. But it's probably because I'm your mother. (laughs) um, So I definitely think by the sixth grade. Yeah. That sounds about right. Those wheels are turning, boy, and they're seeing things differently. It's no, you're out of the nurturing one classroom environment where you can really focus on building and developing these relationships and you can Uh create a community. And then you throw them into an environment where um, they're switching classes. There's hundreds of kids in a hallway and um, you don't have the time or the privilege of developing a classroom unity right mm. you yeah, know that's good and then it does set your eyes more on judgment and who are my people and where right. do i belong and right. there's more shifting going on yeah. that's interesting i never thought about that that dynamic that you're talking about that's that makes a lot of sense and then yeah. that's the way it is for the rest of your life right <laughs> i mean you're always shifting and mm-hmm. moving about in different groups and circles so and it's really an important time to start this like hey this conversation that all people really are going through something at the same time and not to judge and um, don't just don't judge. If you could yeah. only just not judge, <laughs> wouldn't that be just focus <laughs> on that? Us. Just focus on not judging. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, that's a good lesson for Jonah himself, right? Cause that's what Jonah's doing here. He ends yeah. up being the, the bad guy to a bunch of people, you know, instead of yeah. the Ninevites. It's him that's the jerk. <laughs> Again, I still think Jonah's a jerk. <laughs> I'm going to die yeah. on that hill. Well, I do want to say one more thing, and I don't know how this ties in exactly, and it's something I learned a long time ago. Actually, it was probably a TikTok. But <laughs> I, I don't do a lot of TikTok. But it was a teacher who was a teacher of, I think it was sixth graders, or around that age. And one of the lessons that she teaches is um, just on social awareness and connection. And she says, you're not going to like everybody. You're just, there are going to be some people you don't click with. You don't know why. Your instinct is going to be not, I don't need to be friends with this person. You might have an instinct in your body that is telling you, well, I don't, want my my group to be friends with them so i'm gonna talk poorly about that person to my group of friends Mm. i'm going to basically other them Mm -hmm. right and what she's so she's pointing out like she's going it's beyond bullying it's like the root of bullying right like um it is okay that you don't like that person that you don't want to be their friend that part's okay Turning other people against them mm. isn't your job. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that you can just let that go. That you, you can be okay and just not mm. being that person's friend. Well, that's what we were talking about before is the difference between the emotion and the feeling that we're having and the action. Yes. Right. You can have the feeling. You can have the emotion. That's totally fine. You're human. Feel all the things. Please feel the things. But what God calls us to do is to have a different action, <laughs> right? right? You don't have to yes. act on those feelings. Yes. And yes. so you do still need to treat that person like your neighbor, 
You do still need, you right. are still called to care for them and to love them. You don't have to like them, <laughs> you right. know, but right. you do still have to care for them. Right. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a great conversation. And uh, Elizabeth, thank you so much for being Pleasure. here. Northside, thank you for listening. And anyone else out there listening to this podcast, we thank you as well. And we will see you next week.